You know what I love about Easter? Everybody's all dressed up in night bright colors, right? I guarantee you this. On any other day, you will not see me wearing a pair of bright blue pants. <laughs> Guaranteed. Jeans, maybe. That's what I typically wear on Sunday mornings, jeans. But um, I realized not long after I got married that my wife is going to buy an Easter dress every year. And I'm going to have to match her. So every year, whether I want one or not, I get a new Easter shirt. I can get away without the pants. But uh, the, the new Easter shirt every year. And here's the thing. This is not my color. You think I'm going to wear this during the week? On any other Sunday? No, so I have several Easter shirts in my closet that never get worn. Do I hear an amen from the men in the room? I could be like, uh, uh, by like Ron back there, I just buy one shirt that has a bunch of colors in it and just wear that same shirt every Easter and it'll match. I like that. Jeanette and I, about six months ago, bought a, bought a car. Um, when we moved up here, the only vehicle we had was my Jeep, my Jeep Wrangler. Um, we had to sell her car because it had just gotten an accident. We knew we were coming up here, so we said, we'll wait till we get up there and we'll buy a car up there. So we, we went to CarMax, and I like CarMax because this, the number you see on the windshield is the number you pay. How many people like to haggle over prices? That does not surprise me. Our youth pastor likes to haggle. I don't. Now, my mom, we went, to, we went to Tijuana, Mexico one year, and my mom went down there, and she argued for the sake of arguing. The guy never went down on his price, but she loved to argue about the price. I'm not that kind of person, though. I want you tell me what the lowest price that you can give me, and if I want that, I'll buy it. So that's why we went to CarMax, because we knew we weren't going to deal with any of that. So we got a, a, a Honda, uh, a Honda Pilot. We actually, the one my wife wanted, they didn't have local, so we had to get it shipped up from Texas. Well, when you buy a car, it's not a brand new car. It's not a, not, not a 2018 or anything like that. It's an older one, about five years old. Um, when you buy a car, specifically from a dealership, they're supposed to make sure everything's okay with your car. Have you ever bought a new car? and realize that there are problems with it, makes you happy, doesn't it? You're like going, all right, I got another problem with my car. Of course not. So we've been driving for two weeks now. We've been driving uh, a car that's not ours. And the good thing about CarMax is that uh, you buy a car from them, and if there's something wrong with it, they give you a loaner. So we've been driving this loaner, and um, it's a nice loaner. It's a 2018 it's a, it's a journey, Dodge journey. But we like our car because it has the features that we want. This, this car doesn't. Like, you know, you hit the remote on your button and the back hatch opens by itself. This one doesn't do that. You know how much a pain that is? <laughs> when you're used to being able to... It's like you walk into the car from the grocery store and you're going out to the car... You're about halfway there. What do you do? You get your remote and you hit that button. So when you get there, it's already open. No. Now I'm carrying the bags. I get to the car. I got to put the bags down. I got to grab the, open the hood. We are lazy people now, aren't we? But the reason the car is in the shop is because it was doing this really weird thing. We would... We would uh, we drive it somewhere, and we would stop, and when you got back in it, and you turned the key, absolutely nothing happened. What is that? What do you think the problem is? Starter. You think the starter? Nope. What else? Battery. Nope. I like telling you guys you are wrong. Can you tell? You know what it was? It's still in the shop. They have no clue what it is. 
We went to Clarenda. This, this is when we realized that it was, it was real serious. We went to Clarenda for dinner. And um, we went in and had dinner. And we were eating with a, a couple of other people. And we went back out and uh, went to start the car. And guess what it wouldn't do? Now, if we were downtown, it's, it's only you know, about four or five blocks to my house. I could have lived with that. You know how long it takes to walk home from Clorinda? <laughs> we didn't have to walk. The couple, one of the couples that was with us drove us over here. But the inconvenience, you never know what's going to happen. You get in the car, and toward the end, I was like going, okay, Jesus, just this one more time before we get to the... Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. It's a, it was an uncertainty in our life. It was, and it was, it was frustrating because... Not that there was ever a convenient time for it to happen, but if it would have happened while I was at home instead of away, it would have been a little more convenient. One time it happened, Jeanette was gone uh, on a women's ministry, or you were somewhere, I remember where you were, uh, and I'm at Walmart, I have Eli in the back seat, and I turn the key, and sure enough, guess what didn't happen? It didn't come on. So what do you do? Walmart's not that far, a mile from my house. But am I going to walk a mile with Eli? I could have. If you, if you haven't noticed, my son does not listen when we're outside very well. He'll hold my hand, but he'll go every which way he wants to go while he's holding my hand. For safety's sake, I thought it's not a very good idea just to drive him. So we left it at Walmart. Um, got a, I got a ride home with somebody else. We came back the next day. Guess what happened? Started right up. And that has been the problem. It'll die. You let it sit overnight. It'll start right back up. So guess what they can't do? Figure out what the problem is. Because every time they try and start it, guess what happens? You see my dilemma? We face things like that in our lives all the time. Uncertainties. We face uncertainties all the time. Whether it has to deal with health, whether it has to deal uh, with relationships, finances. You are, you are blessed, you are really blessed if you know ahead of time that your job is coming to an end. If somebody says, here, you have two more weeks, or you have uh, two more months, then you have a little bit of time. But sometimes, those situations where, oh, by the way, tomorrow's your last day. Those uncertainties are difficult. Those uncertainties drain us. We feel powerless. But I have good news for you. Those certainties are always going to be there. You guys are thinking, I thought you had good news for us. <laughs> you're, the certainties you face don't have to define your life. I want to look today at what the Bible shows us and how we can live even though there are uncertainties in our life. If you have your Bibles with you, turn Luke chapter 24. We're going to be verses, reading the first six verses. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be up on the screen. Here's what it says. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. We, we serve a risen Savior. Some people will tell you, um, I say some people will tell you, some people will think that, that the Friday night was... Um, the most important day in our lives. 
What Jesus faced Friday night was the most important day in our life. But the problem with that, that theology is that um, Jesus dying on the cross gave us the ability to not have to face death. Jesus rising again gave us the ability to ex experience eternal life. Is, people call it Easter. You know what I like to call this? Resurrection Sunday. Because that is the true definition of why we celebrate this day. What Jesus does is something, and there's two specific things we're going to look at today. Here's what, here's what Jesus showed us. He showed us that by following God's will, Jesus attained victory beyond physical death. By following God's will, Jesus attained victory beyond physical death. You say, God's will? How do you know it was God's will? Remember Jesus' prayer? Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus didn't want to face the death. Jesus had no desire to go through the torture, to go through the, the hanging on the cross. And despite what you see in a lot of pictures, Jesus wasn't wearing a loincloth. He was naked. It was a form of humiliation. So it was God's will. But that wasn't even the worst part about the story. We think, oh, look at what Jesus went through physically. Look at what the, the suffering. And I'm not trying to downplay the suffering. But did you know that, that Jesus was not the only one ever to be crucified on a cross? Ever to be tortured? This was a common practice in the first century Roman world. You know what the, 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 the most important part about this? Is that when he did die on the cross, he felt separation from the Father. That, that, that spiritual separation, absence of God's presence, that not only was the most powerful experience for us, because it allows us to live forever. It is also the greatest work that Jesus could ever accomplish. Because by being separated for a short period of time from the Father, he allowed us to be reconciled to the Father. I was looking, if you read the stories of the... Um, of, of Jesus' uh, resurrection in the four Gospels. It's mentioned in all four Gospels. And there's some things in there that, that kind of um, happen in all four Gospels. All four Gospels show you that Jesus was truly dead. I'll show you that on the third day, there was an empty tomb. Shows you that the angels were really kind of the ones that explained what happened. Because, you know, these people heard Jesus say, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to rise again. Why didn't they believe him the first many times he told them? Why were they surprised when it happened? Maybe it's because they didn't really believe? All of those, all four Gospels explain that the, the, the first eyewitnesses were women. And believe it or not, this does not surprise me. Men refused to believe the women of the, the testimony of the women at first sight. Oh, women, you're crazy. I believe my wife every time she tells me something. You laugh. I'm being serious. You know what, the, what is not in all four of the Gospels? Not one of the Gospels record the actual resurrection of Jesus. Why is that? Because the actual resurrection of Jesus was more than just this physical body coming back to life. It was a spiritual victory that only Jesus could do. And like most spiritual things, we can't see it. We see evidence of it, but the actual spiritual fighting, we are not, say, privileged to see. I don't know if that's the right word. We just don't see it. 
because it's a spiritual thing. So the evidence leads us to believe that something happened. Friday, they take him and they throw him in a grave, put a big stone in front of the grave, and then Saturday, we don't hear a lot happening on Saturday. There is only one thing, one thing that happens on Saturday that is recorded in the Bible. Um, now, to understand this, you need to understand a little bit of Jewish uh, thinking. Our thinking, what time does the day start? When you wake up in the morning, that's pretty good. If you want to get technical, midnight. You know when the Jewish day started? Sundown the night before. So Saturday, Saturday for the Jewish people, started Friday night at sundown. So the, but the only thing recorded from that time, um, from, from uh, Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown, there's only one thing recorded. And that is they wanted to put guards in, the tomb, in front of the tomb. You know why they put guards in front of the tomb? Because they didn't want Jesus' body to be stole. They were thinking that if somebody came and stole the body, then the disciples could perpetrate this great hoax and get a lot of people to believe that it actually happened. You like our stone over there? Um, you know, there's one person in this, in this building that I know is really strong. And that is Tim Everly. Because he brought that big old rock up here all by himself. <laughs> I opened the door for him while he carried it through. The, 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 the one people who really, who really uh, confirmed the resurrection was not the disciples. The group of people that really confirmed the resurrection was not the, the women who went to the tomb. It's probably going to be the most unlikely people that you think would be the ones who would do it. You know who that is? The Pharisees. Well, the guards, but they were, they were appointed by the Pharisees. So here's what you have. Okay, let's look at this. I'm going to go over here by this because I like this rock. So you, ha you have, you have the, uh, this rock over here, and uh, Jesus was put in this tomb, and uh, guards were put out front because the Pharisees were scared that the disciples would come steal the body. Then something happens. If you read in, in Matthew chapter 28, there's an earthquake has anybody ever been in an earthquake? It's pretty cool, as long as it doesn't do any devastation. I mean, the whole thing is, I was in an earthquake once, and everything in the house was, like, shaking. The chandelier was shaking back and forth, and I was real young, and my dad said, it's just an earthquake, don't worry. I said, this is cool, I like this. But my house didn't fall down either, so. Earthquake. Angel, uh, angel rolls the stone away. And then it says the angel sat on top of the stone. Could you imagine that? Angel sitting up on top of the stone. See those two guards there? He goes like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> the guards freak out. And they're like white as ghosts. And they're like dead men. Now, I don't know. Dead men don't stand up. So that leaves my imagination to think they fell over. Standing there. And it freaks them out. So what do they do? Chapter 28, Matthew. They go back to the Pharisees. And they, uh, they're like, hey, something, something weird happened. Now, it doesn't show you, it doesn't tell you um, in Matthew when the, the, uh, when the guards were, tell it, were talking to the Pharisees. That, that doesn't tell you what the guards said. But I'm pretty sure... What the guards said was exactly what they experienced. Because here's what would happen. If the guards were found to be lying about something, they could be executed. They were scared. 
They went back and told the Pharisees exactly what happened. And you know what the Pharisees did? Shh. Don't tell anybody. In fact, what I want you to tell everybody is that um, they came and stole the body. And here's some hush money. That more than anything proves the fact that the resurrection was real. Up to that point. Now you read later on, you find that Jesus appeared to the disciples, uh, appeared to the um, to, to a lot of uh, in a lot of different ways, a lot of different people. But the idea that the the tomb was empty should not have been surprising to anybody who knew Jesus. There's a um, there's a, a quote to Andy Stanley. I read it on Facebook not too long ago, actually yesterday, and I thought to throw it in here. And it says, If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, just go with whatever that man says. <laughs> go with what that man says. Go with what Jesus says. Go with what Jesus says. Because you've been a pretty, pretty good guess that he can do whatever he wants to do. You know what amazes me? Is that the disciples doubted that Jesus rose from the grave when they witnessed him rising Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus was only dead for three days. Lazarus was dead for four. And yet they still doubted. The greatest man in history named Jesus had no servants, yet they called him master. Had no degree, yet they called him teacher. Had no medicine, yet they called him healer. Had no army, yet kings feared him. Won no battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. That is Jesus. There's something about this man, Jesus. Something about him. The question is, what does it mean to us? What does it mean to us? How is it going to affect our lives? Knowing that we can have eternal life beyond this life should give us hope. It should. We should have a, a, a joy knowing that when we die, no matter how our life is like right now, when we die, we will spend eternity in heaven. That should, that should bring us joy. We should have victory because of we understand that and we know that. But that's not the only thing Jesus desires for us. There's more to this relationship with Jesus than just knowing that one day when we die, we get to spend eternity in heaven with God. I'm not trying to downplay that. That is a great thing. But does that really, does that really comfort us in the struggles we're facing right now? In the uncertainties? Knowing that I'm going to live forever with God when I die doesn't really bring a whole lot of comfort when I turn the key onto my car and it doesn't do anything at all. I'm still facing this struggle, this uncertainty. But there's, but the, the, there's more to it than just that. We need to understand that by following God's word, we can live in victory before physical death. By following God's word, we can live in victory before physical death. I want to look at that, that phrase. I want to break it down into three parts real quick. The first part, and we're going to kind of go backwards. The first part I want to look at is before physical death. For all of you physics enthusiasts, that just means you're alive. Okay? Before physical death, alive. You're alive, and then you die. Before you die, you're when I stop talking, that usually means you're supposed to fill in the blank. So before you die, you are... All right, you guys are catching on. Simply means 
you are alive before physical death. The next, the next section that we're going to look at is we can live in victory. So we're going to live in victory before physical death. We talked about victory after, even though there is physical death, which is eternity. But you know what? God sees eternity starting now. Our victory doesn't have to wait until after we die sometime in the future. Our victory can start now. How? How can we have victory? How can we be victorious even though bad things happen and uncertainty happens in our lives? As the, as the father of a three-year-old, there's a movie that, um, that I have seen several times called Cars. If you have a boy, you probably know about Cars. He was given a big one, a Lightning McQueen plastic car about this big. And I remember one day he wanted to take it to his bed with him and sleep with it. So daddy, now daddy says no because you can't sleep in the same bed as that. Um, that story is, is a unique and I think gives us a kind of a good perspective as, as to how to live victorious in this life. And here's why. You know the end of the story? The, the movie is about Lightning McQueen. And in the beginning, of the, the beginning of the movie, you see them racing around a track. And there's a three-way tie at the end of the race. There's the king. There's uh, Hicks, Nick Hicks, or whatever his name is. Uh, Chick Hicks, that's what it is. Chick Hicks, and there's McQueen. And they're in this three-way tie. And they have to race one more race for the Piston Cup. And so at the end of the movie, after a bunch of stuff that happens that changes McQueen, he's at the end of the movie, and they're racing, and they're racing, and racing. And it comes down to the, the very last lap. In the very last lap, you see Lightning McQueen. I mean, he's like half a lap ahead of the other two. He's going to win, hands down. All he has to do is cross the finish line. And then something happens. He sees, he sees Hicks and the king um, hit, hit each other, and the king goes flying into the field, banged up, can't finish the race. And he sees that, and all of a sudden he slams on his brakes. You saw the beep. I mean, the finish line is right there, and he's like looking at that finish line. Actually, he's not looking at the finish line. You would think he would be that close. No, what is he looking at? He's looking at something else. He's looking at the accident. And he backs up. Hicks, the bad guy, he wins. He goes back and he helps the king to finish the cross line. Who got first place? Hicks did. But McQueen was really the one with the victory. See, when we look at it from a, a different perspective, we can realize that even though there are going to be uncertainties in our life, even though there are going to be things that we don't anticipate, things that we don't understand, we can still live in victory in our life. John 10.10. 10. Some of you might have this memorized. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Or have it more abundantly. What does that mean, have it to the full? Well, if I live for Jesus, he's going to fill my bank account. He's going to fill my big house with full of possessions. He's going to make me happy at work every day, and I'm never going to have any hard times. I like the way the, the New Living Translation puts it. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus is talking here, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God didn't come to make you rich or to remove all of the problems in your life. He came that your life would be rich and satisfying. If you think money is going to solve all your problems, I want you to tell that to the countless hundreds of popular rich people who have committed suicide. 
You could probably name five of them off the top of your head. That is not the answer. Sure, not having to worry about money would help our lives, but it should not define our lives. We try to find joy in getting what we... We try to find joy in getting when actually joy really comes when you are giving. We try to find happiness by having people serve us when in reality, true happiness comes when we're willing to serve others. We try to find peace with ourselves. If I'm wearing the right clothes, if I have the right haircut, if I go to the gym enough, or if I don't eat certain foods, or, 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 then I'll find peace with myself. But in reality, reality, peace is found in selflessness. People who are willing to give things away are much happier than people who need to get. People who are willing to do things for others are much happier than people who demand others do things for them. Sometimes our victories are not what we think they are. There's a story of a man who was walking down a hill, and uh, it, was, it was not a super steep hill, but it was a nice decline, and he was walking down the hill, and he comes upon this, this big boulder, and uh, he, he kind of looks at it, and he goes, that's kind of interesting, and he gets past the boulder, and he sees a man pushing on this boulder, just standing there pushing on this boulder. And, uh, and he says, well, what are you doing? And he says, well, Jesus told me to, to do this, and, but, but I just, I, I don't know how much more I can handle. I'm not, I'm not able to move it at all. It's uphill. This is a struggle. I can't move this boulder. And a man's standing there looking at him struggle with this boulder, and then he looks back down at the bottom of the hill, and he sees a bunch of children playing at the bottom of the hill. Sometimes victory isn't what we think it is. Sometimes victory doesn't mean we're going to get further in life. Sometimes it means we're just going to be helping other people. But we, we miss that. We miss that sometimes. We think this struggle that I'm in is not getting me anywhere. Well, sometimes your struggles are not about you. problem is we find or we try and find life among the lifeless we are looking for life in the midst of lifelessness let's go back to what the angel said in matthew uh, in uh, in luke in our text the angel says why do you look for the living among the dead and too many times in our lives when we want to live victorious life we're looking for victory where there is no victory we're trying to find life where there is only death why do we do that why Because we have been deceived. It's because we've, we, we've, it's been beneficial in the past. Did you know that a dead animal usually has life in it? Now, not to gross anybody out, but it's usually maggots. I, uh, my, my aunt lives in Chewila, Washington, where I grew up most of my life. And um, she lives up a, a, an old country road. And I, I used to go visit her. Uh, I haven't been back in a, in a while. I need to go back and visit her. But I went walking one evening, and I was, uh, 
I was walking down the road, and I got this nasty smell, and it was a strong smell. It was really bad. It was not a skunk. Anyway, but it was really bad. And so, you know, like a good person, I walked on the other side of the road. There were no houses. There were no people around. It wasn't, but it was just, so I continued with my walk. Didn't think anything of it. Just continued with my walk down there. Uh, Finally got to a point where, yeah, it's time to go back. So I turned around and started walking back. And I got to that same place and that same smell. And curiosity sometimes is a dangerous thing. I'm like, well, what's making that? I said, what is that smell? I, I've smelt that before. It was, it's the smell of death. And it's rotted flesh is what it is. So I'm standing probably about from here to that piano. And, and I, see, I see, you know, what looked like an animal. And I thought, well, that's it. The animal's dead. And I took a step closer and I noticed that it looked like its belly was moving. And I thought... That's, 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 he, must, he must still be alive. That must be what it is. He must still be alive. Then I thought, no, this smell is terrible. Sure, clo- I get a couple of steps closer, and now it's getting really bad. And what do I see? I see signs of life. But it's not the animal. It's other things, insects crawling on it. We sometimes look for life where there's death. We're never, you are never going to find life if you're looking where there's only death. The only place you are going to find life, the only place you are going to find victory in your life, the only place you are going to be satisfied with everything in your life, that you're going to be content with, is when you find the person who is life. Jesus said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to look to Jesus. We need to look to the one who conquered death. We need to look to the one who paid the price. We need to look to the one who is willing to give it give everything, even separation from God, even though it was for a short period of time. He was willing to do that for us. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now he's telling them that you can have peace with me. Then he says this. In this world you will have trouble. Trouble. Jesus I thought we weren't supposed to have trouble when we had Jesus. No. He explains it in this last phrase right here. But take art. I have overcome the world. You're going to have trouble. Stay with me. I'll give you victory. Because I've already won. But, it, but we have to understand the victory. The victory is having a full life. The victory is having love in our lives. The victory is having peace in our lives. Even when uncertainty comes. Even when you don't know if your car is going to start when you get in it. You can have a peace. You can have love. You can have a certainty. Does that mean it's going to be easy? Absolutely. Absolutely not. It is not going to be easy. If the disciples who were with Jesus, lived for Jesus, all of them, all of them died a nasty death because of their relationship with Jesus. But I would rather have trouble and be victorious in Jesus than have an easy life and find only death. And how do we, how do we, how do we get that? So we live, we can live a victorious life, and we can live that victorious life before physical death. How do we do that? It's real simple. By following God's 
word. When we follow God's word, we can have, we can live in victory even before physical death. Following God's word. You know, somebody, a long time ago I read this, that Bible is an acronym and it stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. What is the Bible? You know the story of the Bible? I can, I can sum up the story of the Bible, the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, everything. I can sum it up in three phrases. Three phrases. Man's rebellious act, Jesus' act of reconcil- reconciliation, and God's love throughout eternity. That is the, that is the Bible right there. That is, the, that is what God wants us to know. We have been separated because of our sinfulness. Jesus gives us reconciliation. And then we can have victory throughout eternity, starting now. We're going um, to have a human video. Um, that our youth are, have been practicing and... and and I think this human video kind of gives us... You guys can go ahead and get ready. Um, I think this human video is going to help you see the victory of Jesus in our lives. So I want you to, to, to sit back. I want you to, to think. I want you to listen. And I want you to enjoy what they have to, to present us today. Jesus has won the victory. Jesus has given you the opportunity for eternal life. He has given you everything you need to be reconciled with God. But even more than that, he gives you everything you need to live in victory here on earth. You don't have to search for it. It's right here for you to take. It was about 30 years ago. When I realized no matter how hard I tried, no matter how many things I did right, I was, I was always, I was always going to fail. That's human nature. But God showed me that his love is made perfect in my failure. My failure does not define who I am. Your failure does not define who you are. Or does, it does not define the victory that you should have. Your failure, your shortcomings, your sin is a way for God to show you that He is victorious. And he wants to give you life. And he wants to give you a life that you've never known before. Maybe you're here. And you say, Pastor Steve, man, you don't know what my life has been like. You don't know what I've done. I do know this. When Jesus was on the cross, he forgave the very people who put him there. So no, your sin is not too big. No, what you've done is not too far-reaching. That God, that Jesus will not forgive you. 
If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, or maybe you've heard the stories, or maybe you've, you've maybe you, at some point in time you've even prayed the prayer. A relationship with Jesus is not a prayer. It starts with a prayer, but it is so much more than that. And saying a prayer is good, and it's a starting point, but you only live in victory, in the victory that God has for you, when that starting point becomes a lifestyle. Stand with me as we're about to pray. If you're here, and you've never asked Jesus to take control of your life, not just come into your heart, I'm talking about ask Jesus to take control of your life, you want to you experience that victory, not just the victory in eternity after you die, but you want to experience victory daily in your life. You want to give your life, not just your heart, but your life over to Jesus and find that victory and live in that victory. then just accept what Jesus has done for you. The Bible says that if you confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You confess and you believe. You believe, your belief is an inward decision. Your confession is an outward decision. When you say, Jesus, I believe, you're admitting that he is God. When you say, Jesus, I confess, you are living that belief in your life. If you're here and you haven't, and you haven't committed your life to Jesus, and you want that, that daily walk that gives you victory, we're going to say a prayer. And, uh, and I want you, I'm going to ask everybody to say it with me. And I want you to, to, to mean that prayer when you say it. Or maybe, maybe you have given your life over to Jesus, but the struggles and the worries and the problems that you've been facing, you've just kind of drifted away. You just kind of, he hasn't been very important in your life. He's saying, I want that. I don't know if you noticed in this human video what Jesus was doing the whole time, she was struggling. He was reaching out. He was reaching out to her. And that's what he's doing now. He's saying, don't, don't be so far away. I'm here. All you have to do is come to me. And I will be the victory. Maybe, maybe you have already accepted Jesus. And, and maybe you are close to him but you just don't feel victorious I want you to pray this prayer with me too because there are times even in my life where I know God gives me the victory I know that I am saved and I'm going to heaven I know that I have a relationship with Jesus but there just, there just doesn't seem to be victory at times. If you find yourself in any one of these situations or you just want to come up here and pray, I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to say it with me. The worship team is going to start, start singing a song. I want you to find a place, this altar, and I want you to, to put your life back into the man who has the victory. Put it in his hands. Stop trying to look for life among the dead. Pray with me. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for allowing me to be reconciled to God. Forgive me of the sin that I hide in my life. Forgive me of the things that I've done wrong. Help me to turn my back 
on all the things that I've done and help me strive for you. Help me to live for you. Help me to call out for you. Be the Lord of my life. Help me believe and help me confess. We ask in your name. Amen. I want, to, I want you to do me a couple of things. We're going to have time of prayer. If you prayed that prayer and God did, is working in your life, I want you to, to meet me up here. And let's, let's seek God and let him be our victory in our lives. Let's worship and let's seek God. In preparing for this message, I read something that um, I guess I knew, but really never thought about it. You know, when the stone was rolled away, the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away to let the women in. When you read about Jesus... After his resurrection, he was walking through walls. You think a stone's going to keep him in the grave if he could walk through walls? Let Jesus go with you today. You've experienced an empty tomb. The victory that he gives. He's not stuck there. Let him go with you today. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a, a dismissal prayer before I wanted to make a couple of announcements. One is, um, if you would like, um, <clears throat> we have a, a, a little photo booth set up. If you want to get some family photos before you, uh, before you leave, uh, Joe's going to be over there, and he'll get set up fairly quickly, and he'll get some pictures, and, um, and we'll just get a little bit of information from you so we know who to give the pictures to. Um, but uh, we just want to make that available for you. Uh, if, if you, I didn't touch very much on, on how to live a victorious life. I talked a little bit about it, but I did not really get into it. Next week, my, my, my message next week is living in victory. I'm going to be talking how, what the Bible says about how we can live in victory in this life. So I encourage you, if you're... If you're interested, if, if you've said a prayer today, I want you to do me one last favor, and that is on the bottom of your bulletin or in one of the pockets in the seat in front of you, there's a connect card. One side says connect card. If you flip it over, it says comments. If you have a prayer request, I want you to write it on there and just leave it on the seat. Or if you made a decision, whatever kind of decision you made today, go ahead and write that on there. Here's why I want that, is because we have, we have some people who want to pray with you and pray for you. Uh, and this will help us in praying for you. I want to thank you again for coming. It has been a, it has been a pleasure to worship Jesus with you. Let's close in prayer and you'll be dismissed. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. We ask that you would just go with us. You are not bound by the tomb any longer. Go with us as we leave here and help us to live in victory. By your name, we ask this. Amen. Be blessed, and we'll see you next week.